Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for the best Pulitzer Prize winner of 2023, the best Pulitzer Prize fiction category of 2023 now. And to help me are two, I hopefully, hope these just came out, so I hope they read them. Uh, Two people uh, named Pulitzer. Yeah, (laughs) no, two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Litheads. My name's Pulitzer. Why His name say is that Prize. So this week that we brought a couple of books. Yeah. Uh, th- this week, Nick, I brought a little Pulitzer. energy. Pulitzer? Pulitzer? Pulitzer. Okay. So this, I had a question about this as well. Okay. Let's stop. Let's address this question. Okay. Is it Pulitzer or Pulitzer? Well, I feel... I'm Googling it now. Is it a German the, thing? Okay. While, while Ian Googles it, I'm going to guess. <laughs> and I'm going to say that the more pretentious pronunciation yeah. would certainly be Pulitzer. Okay. Certainly. So Why do you always say the it. things that are associated Pulitzer. with me? Well, come on. Pulitzer. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Joe, you're stupid, idiot, and wrong. The Pulitzer board, sorry, the Pulitzer board pronounces it as Pulitzer. Yeah, I think it's Pulitzer. Pull yep. it. Pulitzer. Wow. This is, this is breaking. Uh, concerning. I have yeah. been wrong for. My whole <laughs> life. I mean, I guess, years I guess when I was a baby, I didn't say Pulitzer very much. But. And here's the thing. I bet you guys talk about the Pulitzers a lot. So that's mm. awesome. I mean, that's kind of yeah. all we teach, really. Yeah. Like anything, anything else. If it's if it it's not written in America and won an award in the last hundred years, we don't teach it. Yeah, that's right. All right. So uh, I guess there really is no answer to this, Lidheads. Pulitzer, we'll Pulitzer, know. tomato, tomato. No, it tomato. is. There is, cl- there is a clearly no. don't be. It's up to you. Post fact. I think it's a Both cultural, no, cultural it's thing. A divide. <laughs> Just another my, my, divide. My name is Joe Holshue. This week, I brought a Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction for 2023. Uh, I brought the book Trust by Hernan Diaz. And uh, it's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird book to talk about. Oh, fun. Oh, and this, uh-huh. how do we say this? This is a two-part episode. Pulitzer. I guess I we just did. Pulitzer, we just talked about this. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe has had to take off his, his materials and he's locked really around the room dig- cackling. Really liking that little fun yep. situation, Joe is. No, this is a this is another <laughs> one of those litheads. We love tormenting you. We love, we love kind of drawing it out. And so this is another two-part episode. So this week, uh, one of us will present their book. And then next week... The other one of us will present their book for a thrilling conclusion. Right. And that's two weeks of Pulitzers. This is going to bother me. Right. See, this is Perfect. this is how committed I am to fact and truth. <laughs> I used to I used to die on the hill of Pulitzer. Ian has been saying Pulitzer yeah. for 30 years. And at the moment of hearing it's Pulitzer is ready to correct everybody in the room. <laughs> he wants to retcon his entire life right Listen, now. This is the life. This is the life of a pedant. <laughs> Do you guys know this word? You I know can't the word believe pedant? you said Pulitzer. It's, it's, a, it's the fancy way of saying grammar Nazi, but I'm not just focused on grammar. If right. you're even slightly wrong, I'll teach I'll teach you what's right. That's why <laughs> what I don't guess. What a guy. Um, hello, Nick. Goodbye, Joe. This week, my name is Dr. <laughs> Ian DeYoung. It's not that funny. And I brought one of the co-winners of this year's uh, Pulitzer Prize in Fiction. I brought Barbara Kingsolver's amazingly named adaptation, Demon Copperhead. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. laughs. 
I'd like to take a moment, guys. Uh, about three and a half weeks ago was Teacher Appreciation Week, so I just <laughs> like to say thank you for all of your services. Oh my God, Joe, did you get well, any well, good swag for teachers? <laughs> yeah, did, did I get any swag for Teacher Appreciation Week? Um, I, there's not a big swag culture at the school that I that I Ooh, teach at. I got I get a couple school. gift cards here and there. Yeah, I get I got a gift card here and there. I actually did get one pretty generous gift card, but that was um that was a rare thing. Uh, mostly, we get like candy in our mailbox every day. We get to wear jeans all week, and I uh, yeah, those teacher perks and um <laughs> and what else happened? Oh yeah, my students are putting me in a dunk tank. That was the other thing that they oh, voted me for. So I'm very excited good. for that. Generous, generous mm-hmm. kid. Okay, I'm done. I'm done, Nick. Go ahead and well, say welcome, your words. Lit Heads. That you don't know, Lit. Are we clear? As we call it, Strong Pat. No, <clears> strong, not what we strong call Pat. It. We call this. We call this. <laughs> this is this, this is, is our strong. This pat. is weak Pat. I'm strong Pat. <laughs> good one, Joe. <laughs> what 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 is happening in 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 somebody's body when they just lose their breath entirely <laughs> which, which of us just joe, it's gone joe are you weak pat or are you strong pat <laughs> oh, i think oh, all that rowing you're probably strong pat we're all weak pat oh i lost the script entirely the lit heads are strong let's just pat. start over that's well, what then we'll lose the beauty of strong pat <laughs> you guys are gonna keep referencing strong to be a recurring pat character on this fucking show. ever can I, can I, can I present <sighs> every week, week we normally pick a theme or you do. And, uh, Ian and Joe, two high school English teachers bring book recommendations, but just to upset one of them, we pick a winner and all of this doesn't matter because this week we're not doing that. No, no, we, we are. We are. We are oh yeah. We're still going to pick a Next winner. Week. It's just going to be, uh, stretched over, uh, painstakingly over two weeks because you know what? Summer's busy and we still have some rules to keep us on track. Gentlemen, rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. And rule number three, only winning matters. Joe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me about your book. You have 30 All seconds. Right. Nick, you are going to hate my book this week. Joe just doesn't want to go first. He doesn't want to go first. Money. It's the story about a legendary Wall Street tycoon and his charming, brilliant, aristocratic wife. It discusses their childhoods, how they came to prominence, how they met, and how they made gobs and gobs of money. That story, though, is a facade. This is actually a very literary book about very literary things like structure and reliability and other, like, Stuff that I'm not sure I'm smart enough to talk about, to be totally honest with you, but I am going to do my best talking about Trust by Aranan Diaz. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm... I'm happy you're I'm, I'm ready to Joe, listen to Joe, you st- stumble through it, Joe. <laughs> Joe, it's good to it's good to stretch yourself. It's good to be stretched. Um, that's really that's really cool. Um, is it my turn? Can I go, Nick? Can I? Hey, Nick, can I go? You may go. Yes. A boy is born to an unfortunate single mother. His dad is dead. <laughs> this beginning describes Charles Dickens's famous novel, David Copperfield. As well as Barbara Kingsolver's new Pulitzer Prize, sorry, Pulitzer Prize winning book, oh. Demon Copperhead, Kingsolver's adaptation of the Dickens novel weaves a grim tale of addiction, stagnation, shattered love, and crime in Appalachia, unputdownable for all the wrong reasons. It, does it like stick to your hands? Is it like. Yeah, so there's this new terrible. technology where you're kind yeah. of your flesh bonds to Jesus the, the cover of the book. And what was the until name of your book? you finish. Ian? Called Demon, Demon Copperhead. 
Just one demon. I said the word demon twice, but it's just only one. Demon, demon, copperhead. Got it. Demon, nope, demon, copperhead s- might be an even better name for <laughs> That a sounds like a demon playground chant. Demon, to demon, Way copperhead. to improve it. You guys were... Okay, so this is the first time that two fiction books have won. A yeah, po- a, so the Pulitzer Prize is... It's a little bit weird because they almost never award it to two books, except sometimes they do. This is the first time it's been awarded to two fiction books in the past. There's been co-winners in other categories. Um, There have also been years in which the Pulitzer committee just decides not to give an award that year. They're just like, oh, 20, I think 2012, I want to say is the most recent. Somewhere in the um, early. Yeah, 2012, like there were three finalists named for the Pulitzer that year and none of them were named the winner. Which I is just a little bit mean. That's so incredible. Like it's such a power move, right? It's like, yes, we are functionally Wait. arbiters of taste. And so we don't think any of you are good enough. That's great. Alternatively, That's- as happened this year, they had three finalists and they said, hey, you know, Hernan Diaz and Barbara Kingsolver, you guys are the best. We love you. We think you're great. Your books are both so good. We can't choose between them. The third finalist, get Get out of here. Get out of here. Do not belong. You are not on the same level. You came into this room. How dare you? Out. I think Ian went first last time. So, Joe, do you want to go? Yeah, I would love to go first. (laughs) And, Joe, I'd like to start off with a question. Would you say that the, the title is has 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 multiple? Oh, my God. Ian. Okay, you guys have seen Inception, right? Like you've seen Inception where it's just like layers and layers and layers all the way down. Oh, man, you're going to try to explain what this book is about by using Inception as an no, example. No, <laughs> I'm going to try to explain Inception. No, no th- this book is full of layers. Ian, you are absolutely right. The title here has multiple meanings. Um, this is a book about money. On one hand, like trust, of course, is a financial instrument, right? Like you have a trust fund that you might leave somebody. But on the other hand, this is a book about the trust between people, between characters in this book. And it's a book about like the trust between like a narrator or an author and the reader of that book. It sounds really pretentious joke it's oh hey just strap yourself in (laughs) for the pretentious train all right choo choo you said facade Mm -hmm. in your 30 second plot this is like a fake wall sometimes you get the impression Mm -hmm. that authors have a thing they 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 feel they need to write about nothing they really want to write about so when i Mm -hmm. I brought colson whitehead's zombie book i think Uh, he wanted to write about race but the zombie book was kind of like the the front and i'm not saying it's a bad thing but do you do you feel like he really wanted to experiment and so the story is just kind of like, oh, and there's this tycoon you see. Okay. And anyway, structure, man. Let's go, baby. Uh, on, on the surface, where if you when Hernan Diaz is asked what this book is about, he says, I wanted to talk about the process itself of the accumulation of wealth, right? I wanted to deal with class and money and how money is really made. And this book is Definitely about that. Like this book is about class. This book is about money. This book is about how money is made. But this book is also a book kind of about books, like a book about the form of the novel. Um, Nick, I want to give you some really good concrete examples because I think this could get like ethereal and weird really, really quick. I have no idea why you think that. (laughs) Right. Nick, this book is actually for books. 
It comes in four parts. The four books are totally different from one another, all kind of revolving around the same characters, the same narratives, etc. So okay. I just want to go through the four, what the four parts are. List them out, yeah. Joe, so we can remember one. them and use that information later. Okay. The first part is just a straight up novelization of these two characters. Benjamin Rask, his wife, Helen Rask. Uh, Benjamin is this Wall Street tycoon. He's kind of like interesting and compelling in a like a savantish way, what, right? Like, can you give me t- like dates here? Like what? Yeah, there, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's super. Yep, that super matters. This is like the turn of the 20th century. So this is like the oh. early 1900s. Oh. He's oh, a Wall Street Gilded tycoon. Age. Oh, they had Wall Street back then. Oh, famously, um, until like 1929, and then uh, something happened. Mm. The first story in this, the first book inside of this book, is this novelization of Benjamin and Helen Rask. They're Wall Street tycoons. He's a Wall Street tycoon, kind of amassing his fortune throughout the early 20th century. And then there's this huge stock market crash, and everybody else loses their money. But Benjamin Rask is so smart and so savvy and so, like, can see the future so clairvoyantly that he um, had shorted the entire market and just, like, quadruples his fortune when everybody else is broke. So he has, like, more money than God in this book. Holy cow. And I'm sorry, is this a real guy? No, this is not a a real guy. This is a fictional guy. It's kind of like a JP Morgan story or something like that. Mirroring, though. um, Okay. Famous, like real people. Joe, you said novelized. That wasn't sure. This is an era when, like, the tycoons, they were ruthless. Mm -hmm. The second book right inside of this book. So the first book is the story of Benjamin and Helen Rask. It's compelling. It's confident. It's charming. Um, it was the kind of book that when I was starting this reading this week, I was telling my dear wife, Megan, how much I was enjoying it. I'm like, I don't really get why this book is a big deal, but like, I really like what's going on. It's interesting. It's a compelling story. It's, it's cool. Right. The second part is an unfinished autobiography written by a guy named Andrew Bevel. It is a man Andrew Bevel, whose life has a lot of parallels to Benjamin Rask's and whose relationship with his wife, Mildred, seems a lot like the relationship that Benjamin Rask had to Helen. There's full chapters in this autobiography, and then other chapters are just notes. Like, here's the title of this chapter, and here are the bullet-pointed things that I want to talk about in this chapter. Okay. It is like an early, early, early draft of an of this autobiography, and you realize as the details continue to emerge that um, Andrew Bevel, the guy writing this autobiography, is Benjamin Rask, right? Like, so okay. in this world, the, there was a novel written about, like, Andrew Bevel, Ooh, okay. uh, Romana Clay, Romana Clay, Romana Clay, Romana Clef. I think it's Clef. Romana Clay. Well, I'm, I'm not trusting Ian for pronunciation. Don't know what you're I, have, I have proven myself useless in this in this degree. All right, we're halfway through the four parts, and I'm a little but, yep. confused. Okay, so there is a fictional world in which we get this guy's life a little, and then we go to the next part, and it is his unfinished story that he's writing. That is like the the fictionalized version of his life. 
Yes, he kind wants of? to set the record straight. Got it. Okay. There was this in this world. There was this novel published that is clearly about him and his wife. It is a wildly popular novel in this in this world. This is the one about Benjamin and Helen Rask. And then he's pissed about it. He buys every copy of it. He buys the publishing house that publishes this book. And he says, I'm going to set the record straight. I'm going to write my own story. Yeah, he's getting he's getting his photos taken off the Internet. He's getting his photos taken <laughs> off the internet. That's exactly what he's doing. His old tweets. <laughs> purge. The purge. Part three is written, is, is a part called A Future Remembered, written by a woman called Ida Pretenza. Ida Pretenza is Her name very, is Pretenza? Ooh. Well, Pertenza, but boy, it's awfully close to Pretenza, isn't it? D minus on naming. Ida Pretenza gets hired as a secretary. Uh, by Andrew Bevel, is a really good typist and often also a pretty good writer. And she is the person that Andrew Bevel hires to ghostwrite this autobiography. And the third part oh. is her telling the story oh. about writing this autobiography. Oh, okay. Just tell us the fourth right away. And, and then, you got to just get through it. Yep. The four, part four. Part four is the diary of Mildred Rask. Um, I'm sorry, the, the, the diary of Mildred Bevel. Even I'm getting confused here. The diary of Mildred Bevel, Andrew Bevel's wife, as she is in the last months of her life. Right. Like just diary entry after diary entry this is after the, diary entry. The wife? This is the wife of the tycoon. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah. So this is like a really conceptual book, right? I mean, it's oh, kind of it's interesting. It's, it's easy to say how ridiculous and pretentious that is when you say it all out loud, but it is kind of like interesting, like, hey, here's the real, or here's a story and then the, a diary and uh, there, you know, so is each one trying to like tell, this is all a different point of view to tell like a larger story type of thing. It, it is essentially four versions of the same story. It's, okay. it's almost like that very first part is like, a, it's like an overture or something like that. Like that very first part is the music that we're going to hear. And every part after that is like a variation on that, that, that just gives us mm -hmm. a little bit of an angle, a different ornamentation, a different point of view, et cetera. Is each one have like a, a pretty strong point of view? Yes, um, a super strong point of view. Like in that first piece, it's like I said, it's it's compelling, it's confident, it's charming. It's the sort of thing that feels like it could be a best-selling novel, especially if it was like a Romana Clef about somebody that was like the most famous person in the world at a time who is like really secretive and this like exposed the inner workings of their life. That second part, the unfinished autobiography, it feels like so many like advice books that you've written, like like these great man advice books, like when Teddy Roosevelt writes about his own life. That's what it feels like, like when Andrew Carnegie writes his autobiography and says, like, yeah. bootstraps and capital and things like that's exactly I came, what I came from nothing. I came from nothing. <laughs> I came from nothing. Let me tell Do you know how I became the richest man in the history of the world? Me. It is an innate <laughs> quality that I have that just, I, I just got it. I just got it. <laughs> Joe, I have a question for you. Um, obviously, one of these characters is Hernan Diaz. 
which one is Hernandez and how easy is it to tell? <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think Hernandez would hate one. that accusation. Joe, so I, I've already forgotten um, everybody's name that you mentioned in yes, this book. Of is this a hard book to read? It seems like from all the one-star reviews I see, and they're either um, people who did not finish the book or um, people who would really like to be uh, literary critics. Perfect. Um, it, yes. Uh-huh. But let's it's start just here. a lot of confused premise a little bit. It is not at all a hard book to read. Okay. It is a hard book to get. And I think like a lot of times, like sometimes I think when you read a book, a book, uh, a clever book, a compelling book, a different book can make you feel incredibly smart for reading it. This book makes you feel like you're kind of missing out on a lot when you're reading. Like it makes me feel like I'm not catching everything that I'm supposed to catch. Isn't that just a bad book? Well, this is where it rewards you. And, and this actually might honestly God be the last thing I have to say about this. Um, this is when this book rewards you. There are details that show up in each of the four books over and over. Like, they, like it's, of course, four variations on the same theme. So some of the same details emerge every time. If you are careful, a careful reader, if you can pick up on those details, it starts to do some really interesting things about how these texts um, play with one another. So it's like kind of this neat trick that this book does. It puts these competing narratives into conversation with one another. And they're always in like, tension with one another. So, for example, in Benjamin Rask's autobiography, the unfinished autobiography, it's kind of this like heavy-handed, blowhardy thing where you're like, oh God, shut up. I've read something like this 10,000 times. But then he tells a story about his wife and this um, kind of tradition that they had where she would read to him murder mysteries um, at the dinner table, right? He would read, she would read murder mysteries at the dinner table and he would try to figure them out as, as she read them. Mm-hmm. And it was such an engrossing thing that frequently when they did this, they would like turn from the murder mystery to find that their food had gone totally cold. Like they hadn't eaten and their food had gone cold. They are and it's into this great it. story. It, it's super into it. It's this great story. It kind of shows like this deeper connection between them. And it's, it's lovely. Then in the next book, when Ida Pretenza is telling about her own background, growing up poor in New York City with this Italian anarchist father, and she starts telling this story, she talks about these stories that she would write for her dad when she was a kid and how she would tell him these stories and their food would go cold over dinner. And as a reader, you're like, whoa, wait a second. Didn't that? Wait, wasn't the food that, went cold on a different time. D- didn't the food go cold in the other, other autobiography? And nice. then as the book goes on and Ida Pretenza is writing this autobiography for Benjamin Rask and he's looking for moments that make his relationship look better with his wife, she includes this detail in this book. She's like, oh, that is a detail I took from my own life, like about my relationship with my dad, and I put it in like this other, like this story for him and his wife to kind of show this deeper love connection. And then layers of inception later in that same chapter, she's pressing Benjamin. Um, I keep calling him a rask. She's pressing Andrew Bevel for, for like actual stories about his own life because she's interested in the wife. She wants to flesh out the wife and um, Andrew Bevel, the, this tycoon 
tells her straight faced this story about how his <laughs> wife would read him murder mysteries at the dinner uh, table. Right. And the food would go cold. And she's like, that's my story. I wrote weird. that. That didn't happen to you. And she doesn't say that to him, but like, and it's just like these weird little details that come up again and again. And it really messes with your perception of what is real, what is fake, what we should trust, what we should not trust, uh. the narratives that people write around their own lives, the, 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 I didn't even talk about the money in this book, like the hero's the, journey, the, 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 <laughs> the skewing influence that money has and how people with money are able to manipulate reality to like suit their image. Uh So what's the overt message here? Is this a commentary on media? Uh, The overt message is that money is evil and that everybody who has money got it. it, it, It's ill gotten. And and I'm not even kidding when I say that's the overt message. Like when we get to like the final book where it's, um, where it is her diary entries, like we get a lot more revelations, we get a lot more of this, but it becomes very clear that Benjamin Rask, um, the the fictional man, and um, Andrew Bevel, they did not amass their fortunes through any like internal characteris- oh. characteristics. They amassed yep. their fortunes through like chicanery and yep. luck and manipulation <laughs> and yep. all these things. But yep. isn't their money bad? Mine's okay, right, Joe? Yeah, no, our guys, our money is fine. Their Money's money's fine. Bad. Ours their is money fine. is bad. Lidheads, you can uh, like and subscribe on social media. You can follow us on podcast players. I'm, I'm losing the thread here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can most importantly uh, uh, be involved. You can be involved in a couple of ways. One, go to our website and request a book or suggest a theme. Two, go to our website and request a sticker. I still have some of those to send uh, out. Is there Three, anything worse than getting involved? <laughs> go to our website <laughs> and sign the change.org petition to make us the official podcast of the United States of America. Four. All right. I have a very <laughs> short quote from this book. Most of us prefer to believe that we're active subjects of our victories, but only the passive objects of our defeats. We triumph, but it's not really we who fail. We're ruined by forces beyond our control. Mm-hmm.